Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. It is Super Bowl 52 this weekend. It is the haves against the have nots, the dynasty against the dogs. It is Boston against Philadelphia. Look at every single season you know what this could be the end but it's not and they bear witness like so many to the greatness of tom brady and this patriots machine falls able to get away and throw pass is caught touchdown the eagles are headed for the super bowl yes we demand a respect and we earned it on that scoreboard tonight it falls two years removed from contemplating retirement starting in a super bowl I'm so proud of you man Underdogs again. What you do with somebody that disrespects you? You look them right in their face, let you know I'm here all day. I'm gonna hit you every single snap. Touchdown, Patriots! Watch, I love Tom Brady. The Patriots continue to write history. This deal against the world. No one wants New England to win this game Touchdown. just because they've won so much. We're witnessing. Nicely built up. It is an 11.30 start Sunday night Irish time for the Patriots against the Eagles. Joined on the line by Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe, who's been alive for 27 Boston Championship wins across America's four major sports. And also by Brian Armin Graham, Deputy Sports Editor of The Guardian USA, who's only had the pleasure of watching one Philadelphia win when the Phillies baseball team won the 2008 World Series. Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks, Joe. You just gave it away that I went to school with De Valera. Thanks. <laughs> so, Kevin, I'm guessing people around Boston and New England are pretty confident right now. The Patriots, we know, are clutch, and the Eagles, we know, are chokers. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say people, most Patriots fans think they're going to win the game, but they always think that. Um, that said, I think, and I think I mentioned it before when I was last on your show, um, this personally, I think this is the the one uh, Patriots team in the Super all the Super Bowls I've watched that I'm not absolutely sure they'll win the game. Um, I think that on paper they're better, and the, I'd say the most important thing that happened this week is that Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, returned to practice, even mm. though it's limited practice. It looks like he, I think he still has to be technically and formally cleared from the concussion protocol. But if Gronkowski plays and is healthy and is a factor, I, th- I think that, that portends very poorly for the uh, Eagles. Brian, would this be the greatest day in Philadelphia's history if they can somehow pull it off? Uh, no, possibly since the first Continental Congress in 1776. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think uh, 
It, it would definitely be a big day. I mean, it's certainly uh, the attitude um, on Championship Sunday two weeks ago. Uh, a lot of people were hoping that the Patriots would lose so the uh, Eagles would maybe get a, a bit of a lighter touch in facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, uh, you know, once New England won the game, and, and certainly when Philadelphia held serve in theirs, um, the opportunity uh, to face sort of the greatest winning machine in American sports over this past generation in the Patriots uh, – is definitely sort of an opportunity when you do sort of break through and win that first championship and in, in basically since the Eisenhower administration, um, it, it would mean a little bit extra if it came against a team um, as decorated and as sort of uh, extolled in American life as the Patriots. What is the rivalry like in Philadelphia? Like, there is a long sporting history between Boston and Philadelphia. You had the Celtics 76ers in the 60s, 70s and 80s in the NBA. The Bruins and the Flyers were enemies in the 70s. If you go all the way back, the Red Sox spoiled the Phillies' first trip to the World Series. Is it a rivalry that's spoken about? Can it even be a rivalry when, when Boston is so successful? Well, I'll, I'll take this one. I, I think uh, from a football standpoint, they only play each other once every four years um, because they're in different conferences. Um, and so from a football standpoint, it's not necessarily a rivalry um, the way it is in the other sports. Um, but, you know, obviously it's Boston and Philadelphia. They're a very sort of similar city, sort of both in the shadow of New York, you know, uh, historically. Um, and there are two cities with chips on their shoulders in general. I think Boston really over the last 20 years that uh, they've sort of had this flurry of success in sports um, has, has very much shed that uh, attitude. Um, but it very much still persists in Philadelphia. And I think this would go a long way towards eradicating if they were able to pull off the upset. Mm. Kevin, the Patriots beat the Eagles in the 04 Super Bowl. Not a particularly memorable win in that so many of the Patriots have been, Patriots' victories have been these epic battles that have gone down right to the last play where they beat the Eagles quite comfortably. Is the rivalry... I thought it was 24 to 21. Well, yeah, didn't I suppose it was it was tight enough in the end, but uh, maybe not the quite the late late drama of some of the yeah. other ones. Is the rivalry is it something getting one over Philly? Something that's spoken about in Boston, or is it just let's just win another Super Bowl? No, I don't. Like as Brian said, they don't play each other enough to have what you would call a rivalry. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the old Celtics Sixers rivalry was very intense and. The Sixers have been horrible for a long time, though they have some really good young talent. We might see that return. And because the Phillies and the Red Sox play in you know, different leagues, again, there's not really a rivalry there. So I don't think it is a rivalry. Um, I think you know the, the Patriots, when you talk about rivalries, you talk about the Steelers, you talk about the, you know, the conference games or the division games, so they play each team twice in a year. So I think the rivalries are more intense there. But... Uh, Again, I mean, I, I think, you know, it. I, I don't think you need a rivalry. It, the Super Bowl is so hyped up mm. that you don't really need a rivalry. Um, I mean, it, in some respects, it's, it's it's more interesting that the, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, Eagles have three players that were on that championship Patriots team just last year and that two of them, LeGarrette Blount and Chris Long, are very important players in that Eagles team. So... That's been a little more interesting watching at that front because it's funny because, the, the, you know, Chris Long and LeGarrett Blunt still love the Patriots organization. They still love Belichick. They love Brady. So, uh, but, you know, it's like anything. These guys go at it when they're on. And, and Danny, Danny Amendola actually has hanging in his um, house his Eagles shirt when he was on the practice squad for the Eagles and he was cut from them. 
And so obviously, you know, you have those little motivations. He obviously wants to get over on the Eagles uh, in the worst way. Mm. The success of Boston sports since probably the turn of the century, Kevin, Brian touching that there, but like two cities with with a bit of a chip in their shoulder that there's no, Mm -hmm. no shortage of arrogance. Like what is it within Boston that over the last 17, 18 years, they've been able to have so much success across a range of sports that Philadelphia has just lacked. Right. Well, I mean, I think, it, uh, it, in three words, I guess I'd say Kraft, Belichick, and Brady in terms of the Patriots. I mean, I, I think I think it's it's not beyond argument, but I think it's hard to argue that Brady and Belichick are not the best quarterback and the best uh, coach, uh, football coach of, of the modern era. Uh, and they're just extraordinary when you think of how many Super Bowls they've been to. I think the Brady-Belichick uh, combination of, of uh, coach and, play, and quarterback, they, they bet this will be their eighth Super Bowl. And uh, the, the closest, I think, was Chuck Noll and Terry Bradshaw and maybe a few others who were at four. So that's pro- just, if you just define it like that, that's extraordinary. On the Red Sox side, who are the only ones to really win multiple championships in this crazy era of championships, because both the Bruins and the Celtics have only run one each, you know, the, the Red Sox ended that 86-year-old drought in 2004 and have won the World Series three times. And, um, I, I mean, I think credit goes to you know, John Henry, who happens to own my newspaper and also Liverpool Football Club. Henry's willing to spend the money. Of course, not on people like me, but on uh, Pablo Sandoval and, and people that haven't, haven't worked out and then on people like Chris Sale who have worked out. So I think it really comes down to that. The interesting thing about the, the Patriots is that craft is notoriously cheap. And once players get a little too big for their britches and they want big contracts, the Patriots have tended to let them walk. Um, I remember beginning with Richard Seymour, which everybody could not believe when they would let that talent go away. And then Ty Law, and you could just name them down. Guys that won Super Bowls, they said bye-bye when they wanted more money. And yet, despite that sort of frugality, um, the Patriots have gone on to just win, win, win. It's, it's amazing. There was so much talk in the past month of a of a, maybe a split within the Brady Belichick camp. Has that all gone quiet in the build up to Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I always thought it was completely exaggerated anyway. But um, you know, the, the the reality is that you know it, that Alex Guerrero, who seems like something of a quack, and certainly I guess it, the, it, the the best you could say about him is he's a new age medicine guy. I mean. It works for Brady, and, you know, if it works for Brady, that makes the Patriots organization happy. But what it, it, it didn't work for, they did not like, and, the, and particularly the training staff, did not like all these players going off onto Alex Guerrero's uh, clinic. And so it did create some dissension. But I also think that when you talk about things like this, I think, uh, and I think you might be aware that ESPN did a big takeout a couple of weeks after the Globe did an expose on Bob Holler and the, the Boston Globe sports section did an expose on on the sort of dissension over stuff like this. I think it's kind of exaggerated, and I think people kind of take it. The idea that coaches and players don't disagree on different things. I mean, they're still showing this picture of this video of, of um, Tom Brady yelling at Josh McDaniels like a month ago, mm. as if that was this crazy dissension i'm saying anybody who's played sports knows that in the heat of the moment stuff happens it's just really exaggerated and um amplified uh, when when it happens with the patriots 
Brian, going into the Super Bowl then, so Boston, as we're talking about, has had so much success. There's there's probably an expectation of success within Boston, New England, and, and that brings its own pressures, but it seems to rest very easy on the shoulders of Tom Brady. In Philadelphia, the expectation, maybe it's more a desperation for success at this stage, and, and that's a different type of pressure. And teams from Philly have done have gone far but have never got over the line. That sort of desperation, trying to turn that into a, a positive thing, is, is that the real challenge for the Philly coaches? Well, I think there's two elements to it. I mean, you think about the fact that, you know, Philadelphia sprinted out to sort of the NFL's best record this year, even better than the Patriots at one point. Um, I think they were 10 and one uh, going into the Rams game when they lost Carson Wentz, their 24 year old, you know, second year presumptive quarterback of the future for the next 10 years, uh, who was really on pace for an MVP season. That's probably going to end up going to uh, Tom Brady instead. Um, and so since then it's been Nick Foles um, who has sort of played himself into the role. Um, so they're, they're going into this game with a backup quarterback. They were the first team ever uh, to have the number one seed, um, to be underdogs in their opening game of the playoffs. They were underdogs in the NFC Championship game. Um, so they've really sort of embraced this uh, underdog role. Um, so I think there's two things going into the game among the fan base. One of them is, um, you know, it's sort of found money either way. I mean, they weren't supposed to get here. Um, if they lose, they come back next year. Um, they have, you know, pre- presumably if, if his healing goes to plan, they'll have Carson Wentz back the next year. They have a lot of players under contract. It's, I forget the exact number, but they're really sort of in a position to be good moving forward uh, into the future. That being said, they're here. It's one game, um, and they have not lost a meaningful game um, since Wentz went down to injury. So I think the attitude is one of sort of measured, cautious optimism. Um, they know that they've sort of been discounted. I think they feel better probably about being underdogs than they were. In the past, they've struggled as favorites uh, in some of those big moments you've talked about. Certainly the uh, the famous Tampa Bay Buccaneers game at the end of the 2002 season, the final game at Veteran Stadium. Um, when they have had their biggest sort of stumbles, um, they have been favorites. So I think um, the fact that they're going in the underdogs with this sort of attitude of nothing to lose uh, is probably to their benefit. I see they're not greasing the poles in Philly this time. Is that a sign that maybe the confidence level aren't hugely high for the uh, possible celebrations? I think that's more of a product of the fact that it did not work <laughs> last time. People still made it to the top of those poles. So uh, I figure that in a, in a city sort of strapped for funds, they figured they could cut that expense. Yeah. What's it like around Boston on Super Bowl week, Kevin? Uh, you know, it's happened so much. I don't mean to say that it's mundane, but it's certainly – you're not going to get the buzz here that you would in Philly mm. um, or, you know, other places that just don't go to the Super Bowl that often. Again, this has happened, you know, eight times in the last 17 years, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So, I mean, I think, you know, it, and it's, you know, the two weeks – there's always this sort of nothing is really happening other than these bad press conferences. The biggest uh, controversy all week was that a um, Tom Brady has released on Facebook, this Facebook documentary about his family and his life. And one of the uh, talk sports talk show uh, hosts here in Boston described Tom Brady's five-year-old daughter who makes a fleeting appearance in it as an, a little annoying pissant. And that unleashed um, a torrent of criticism. Um, Understandably, the radio station. Yeah, yeah. I've, I wrote a column saying that you know basically this the kid the guy who did it. I think he's 25 years old. 
he's a wannabe. He's trying to be edgy and raw, and he thought funny. Um, you know, it, he has several attributes, but maturity is not one of them. Uh, but I also said beyond this, uh, an individual making a poor choice of words and, and being wrong, it goes to the deeper culture of, of talk radio at one level and particularly sports radio, talk radio here in Boston, which has become, uh, for lack of a better term, a shout fest. And the whole, it, it's almost like if you're, if you're not old enough to remember Morton Downey Jr., but it's, it's more like the Jerry Springer show on radio. Right. And they're all screaming at each other. And they sit around the most popular state. It's, it, it's apparently the most popular program by however they de- define it of any sports talk show in America. A thing called Kirk and Callahan, um, named after the, 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 the two main hosts, Jerry Callahan, who used to be a sports writer for the Boston Herald, and Kirk Minahan, who was basically a, it's sort of like a, if Howard Stern did sports, that's, that's sort of what he does. And frankly, when I, I used to listen to a lot of talk radio here in Boston because I like sports. Um, but the show is nothing like your show. <laughs> Whereas it's, they sit around talking mostly about each other. And they denigrate not only people they don't like, uh, they also denigrate other hosts on their own station. And it, it, to, as I said, you know, I don't need that. I, I already went to high school. I don't need to go back to that kind of stuff. But it's wildly, you know, and people say, I mean, I got some pushback from some of their fans saying, you know, nobody reads you. Um, and these guys are wildly popular. And I, my response to that, so is Internet porn. I don't know what that proves. Is a fair point, Kevin. Uh, it's a road I'm not sure we'll go down right now. Uh, Brian, what's dominating talk radio in Philly then ahead of this? I guess everyone's used to the fact now that Carson Wentz is injured and that, that Nick Foles has come in and is playing out of his skin right now. Is that still a major talking point? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the funny thing about, uh, you know, his understudy Nick Foles is, is Foles uh, actually did have a first stint with the team, a uh, famously successful first stint with the team back in 2013, where I think he threw for something like 29 touchdowns and two interceptions, and, and they ended up losing a close playoff game uh, to the New Orleans Saints, in which Foles played pretty well. Uh, Foles has played three playoff games in total, that, the one that year and two this year, um, and he's played well in all three of them. Um I, I think there's a lot of caution um, or sort of cautiousness around um, the quarterback, the backup, because, um, you know, he isn't Wentz and, you know, he has been prone to clunkers every now and then. Um, but, you know, I think obviously the, you know, we have not been around this stage nearly as frequently as Boston. And you're hearing a lot of sentimental stories about, you know, rel- you know, people who wish their relatives could have been here to see it. And, you know, a lot of sort of emotion spilling out. Um, fortunately, the Eagles are, are, you know, about 1,500 miles away from all this stuff and, and, and presumably uh, blocking it out as best they can. Um, you know, and I think they're just there to play the game. Um, they don't, you know, this is a young team in a lot of ways uh, that they don't really sort of carry that emotional baggage that the city carries at large. Um, and I think that is probably to their benefit. Kevin, it does feel as though the Patriots have such a psychological advantage heading into this Super Bowl that they're a team who have shown time and time again they simply don't die. That no matter what position they find themselves in, Brady will find a way of digging them out of that hole. Which, just from an Eagles point of view, means that you can never relax in this game. You never have a moment. You can can have a moment when you think it's it's won, and that's got to be pretty bloody draining. I'd say it is. And I like I think I said this last time I was on your program that in, in my lifetime I've never seen a coaching staff 
that is able to change the direction of a game, particularly at halftime, um, after they've seen what has happened in the first half, they'll make adjust, adjustments, particularly on defense, that seem to shut the other team down and allows Brady and the offense to claw back. And, um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think that if the Eagles get up by, I would not be surprised if the Eagles get up by a couple of touchdowns in the first half. That's kind of been the way the, the Patriots have rolled all year, that they're, they're notoriously slow starters, particularly against good teams. So, you know, but if I'm the, if I'm the, I, you know, I, I don't think that Doug Peterson and the, and, and the uh, Eagles coaching staff has to remind the, the players that no, no lead is safe with uh, Tom Brady on the other end. They're just, you could be up by three touchdowns going into the, the, uh, the fourth quarter and you could still, you could still lose to Brady. And I think everybody knows that. Kevin, what's your prediction? I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet, I'd probably take the Patriots. But I, if I also was a betting man, I'd probably take the points because the Eagles could very well cover. Mm. Brian, how do the Eagles win this? Well, I don't think uh, one of the most maddening things about the Patriots is that it really um, it, it hasn't really been any huge surprise or any sort of exotic recipe um, to how they've um, – the Patriots have been beaten in these big games. It really sort of comes down to pressure on Brady, uh, mm. particularly up the middle on the lines, not necessarily around the flanks. I guess, um, I guess the positive able- as well, on what I was saying to Kevin about that they're a team that don't know how to die, is they're also a team they've shown that they will give you an opportunity. No, absolutely. And, it, and it's funny. I mean, when, when Kevin brought up how he sees that the Eagles could potentially uh, go up early, um, you know, Doug Peterson has called very aggressive games this year. If there is a vulnerable vulnerability to these uh, to the Patriots defense, I think it might be over the top. Um, and the combination of those factors means, in my opinion, the first quarter, maybe the first uh, half, is going to be very, very exciting one way or the other because I think the Eagles really are going to go for it early. Um, I guess the way I sort of see the game playing out is the Eagles, um, as Kevin mentioned, getting out to a, a bit of a lead, whether it's 10 nothing or 14 nothing, and then – um, you know, you're going to start to hear a lot. Uh, you're you're going to hear a lot of uh, chewing fingernails in Philadelphia as uh, as they try and land the plane and close the show. All right, great stuff. These Brian Armand, great. Go on, games, Kevin. I was just going to say these games often come down to, to takeaways, turnovers, mm. and the Patriots haven't been particularly good at generating. If the if the Eagles, on the other hand, can generate a couple of takeaways, the, that could change this game completely. Yeah, a lot to look forward to on Sunday night. Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe, Brian Armand Graham, Deputy Sports Editor of The Guardian USA. Thanks a lot for taking the call. Enjoy the game. Cheers. Thanks. Off the ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband.